Once upon a time unprompted, Izzy and Erin write romances, Bella writes a bizarro-type horror in preparation for Halloween, and the group discuss how they would make Halloween episodes for their favourite shows. everyone and welcome back to prompted how are we all doing today good we are all good how did we find the prompt this week bella you're wonderful but i hated this prompt because i got so stuck uh for context the prompt was we are all black holes on this blessed day which i thought would be a good prompt, but it turns out we all struggled with this prompt okay, okay, okay. in one way or another. I loved this prompt. This prompt actually gave me an actual idea that I was turning over my head all week, but then I had to work on my uni stuff. So it only came to yesterday when I went to write my awesome piece with a very profound message and a beautiful attunement to real life. And then yesterday I um, had a bit of gin and could no longer deliver that great big message. So my piece took a different turn. And so I don't really blame the prompts this week. I blame myself. (laughs) I struggled with this prompt because I had no idea what genre to do. So I wrote it an hour before we started recording. And I think it's okay. It's just a bit weird. Because I tried, I looked into bizarro fiction, and I will go into that later. But it's bizarro fiction is not very appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> um, Izzy, yes, you're gonna read your piece. Tell us more. Yeah. Okay. So, um, this is a beautiful piece. Um, I've put down here that it was. It's. Uh, it was co-written by Sydney, a number one fan. When I say co-written, Sydney... I mean he provided the gin. Sydney is not our number one fan. Okay, Sydney is... I didn't even think Sydney <laughs> listens to Prompted. Here's the thing, right? Sydney is my flatmate, and used to be Bella's flatmate, and he just flat out... Every week, I'll put on the group chats with my friends, my closest, dearest friends, and I'll say, oh, we've got a new episode out if you guys want to listen to it and everyone goes yeah 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 and Sydney will just outright go no but until he's probably the opposite of our <laughs> one fan. Yeah, I, all... I respect that I re- the, the amount of, of messages he must have had by now because we're on season three I respect the fact <laughs> that he's had that he's resisted listening for well, that er- long Erin Sydney is now a changed man because the other day Erin put up an Instagram post about books that you read in one sitting and Sydney commented on the post, which is engaged. Wait, did he? He did. I Aaron haven't blanked to go and... Aaron I haven't to go, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'll check it. I'll, I'll check it, I'll get back to him. <laughs> you know what, I'm checking now. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> guys, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realise that this post had 23 comments. <laughs> I'll get back to you all. It's okay. Sorry, Izzy, who do you want us to play? Oh, sorry. Uh, Aaron, can you view stage directions? 
Wonderful. Okay. Stephen and Sleven lie on the hillside under a mass of stars. Their picnic blanket is covered with cartoon robots. Sleven uses the picnic blanket as a pillow as Stephen scribbles some notes on a napkin. We are all black holes on this blessed day. What's that supposed to mean? There are several layers to it, I suppose. Stephen pulls a bottle of Pinot Grigo out of Stephen's sleeve. Means nothing to me. That's a layer, yeah. Stephen takes a swig of wine. Sleeven snatches it off him. You're saying I mean nothing to you? No, it's just poetry's inherent nature of meaninglessness that creates its gravity. Meaning? I'm going to be a poet. Stephen grabs a sausage roll from the picnic basket. Stephen takes the bottle back. You're a med student. There's a kind of poetry in that. There was a guy named Stephen. He had a boyf named Sleven. But Stephen was a fool, ran away from med school, so his boyf had to leave him. Wow. You're the one who called me a black hole. Isn't that romantic? No. You haven't heard the rest yet. I don't think I want to. Stephen throws his empty bottle across the grass. It rolls. Look, I know I'm not Shakespeare or anything. You haven't got the beard to be the bard. Or Byron, or Shelley, or Duffy, or Blake, or Wordsworth, or, um, the scandalous one. Narrow it down. Writes about sex. More details. Super controversial. Thomas More? Dame Judi Dench. What? Stephen takes a swig of alcohol. My point is, I might not be like those people, but I just feel like it's my calling, you know? I've always been good with words. I know it won't bring half the salary of a doctor, but this is right. I can heal more people with poetry than I can with medicine. Stick to what you're good at. You haven't even read my stuff yet. You're always like this when you're drunk. Maybe, on some level. I've always wanted to be a poet. What happened to sharing a flat in London, eh? I'm not buying that for you. You've got to pay half the rent. I'll get clerks to transfer me. But... I'll take extra shifts. When will I see you, then? I'll have Sundays off. And even if I did have to borrow a little off you, you'll be in finance. It's not like I'll make you broke. This is all until I get published. Published? Roses are red, violets are blue. No one is worse at poetry than you. Great. Thanks. Stephen picks up the picnic basket and stands. Come on, Steve. You're a brilliant doctor. What kind of boyfriend would I be if I let you throw that all away? I like you a lot, but I also want a decent life, you know? Stephen hands Stephen the napkin with his poem. He goes to kiss Stephen on the cheek, thinks better of it, then walks down the hill. What a waste of three months. Stephen is crying. He dries his tears on the napkin, turns his phone torch on and reads Stephen's poem. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the poem. Oh, God, I've got to do it in this voice. <laughs> We're all black holes on this blessed day, stressed, afraid to express the power of the darkness, the gravity of the cavity where our hearts should be, consuming me, dooming me, to harm everyone in my arms, everyone who comes near, from Tinder dates to mutual friends to roommates, they all end in tears, usually mine, every time. 
But today is the blessed day, three months in with my best friend, my boyfriend, who goes above and beyond to make me feel like I could be anything. Anything. I feel like I could be anything. I feel like I could be in love. Nothing like a bit of tragedy to brighten a Sunday morning, is it? <laughs> Well, this might see a such sequel. a nice. This was such a nice thing, except that it was. Why are they called Stephen and Sleeper? <laughs> I just I thought of the name Stephen, and then the name Stephen came out. And then I made a voice for Sleeven that then ruined the poem at the end. <laughs> I think the line uh, "Roses are red, violets are blue. No one is worse at poetry than you." That that hit me hard, Izzy. I'm doing a poetry <laughs> much on this time. Oh, That's sorry. relatable. I just thought I'd have a deep conversation about what poetry really means, you know. <laughs> mm, stop stop encroaching on my territory, Izzy. <laughs> I've already talked about what poetry really means on this show. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I just, I just like that... Well, in my own piece, I love it all, but I, I like that... Um, He's saying that poetry is meaningless, but at the end, that poem is very meaningful to their romance. Yeah, I, I sounded very meaningful as I wrote it in Sleven's voice. Sleven <laughs> <laughs> could be meaningful. I kind of want to see them again, so I want to know whether they ever get back together, because I reckon once Stephen is actually an accomplished poet, if he gets some money in, I reckon Sleven might be, you know... Cry, yeah, crawling back to him. I mean, uh, we are using recurring characters, aren't we? Yeah. So we should hope for these deets. We should hope. <laughs> we should hopefully see Stephen and Sleven again. Yeah, I think we'll see them again. Also, like when I co-authored this with Sydney, our flatmate, he thinks he's on Sleven's side, whereas I'm on Team Stephen. I mean, I'm on Team Steven, but I will say Sleven has some kind of point in that it kind of sounds like this guy's got really drunk on wine and is just like, I'm going to be a poet. <laughs> and we'll wake up the next morning like, oh, what, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, I reckon he sends out his, um, his letter to quit uni that night. And sees what how he feels in the morning. Right. We've got more romance from Erin, haven't we? <laughs> it's very cynical romance, I, I assure you. So I got I got really stuck on this prompt. So I I just ended up thinking, well, I don't want to do another sci-fi right after I've done one. So I just focused on the blessed day. So I ended up thinking about weddings and then just being cynical about them because that's me. Um so that's the outcome of this. Um, you guys ready to go? Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I found Lola at the bar, slouched over several empty glasses. She raised her head as I sat down next to her. The wedding guests were going to start gossiping. The dance music was loud enough to drown out our conversation, but body language was easy to see, even in multicoloured strobe lights. Given up too. She gestured to the server for another drink. I don't want one. Two for me, then. She hiccuped. The bridesmaid's dress was falling off her shoulder. The strap of her bra was luminous yellow. I shifted the fabric to cover it. I think you should head home. 
I'll call you a taxi. I'm not leaving. She put her head on my shoulder. Her breath smelled sharp from the drinks. Lola, you shouldn't have come. This isn't your day, it's mine and- Harper's. She sneered. Beautiful Harper in her beautiful wedding dress. We're all so blessed to be here, aren't we? Blessed family and friends on this blessed day, watching that blessed hag tottering down the aisle like a... I pushed the glass away from her outstretched hand. You're drunk. You need to leave. Do you love her? Her eyes won't focus... Yeah. Her eyes won't focus... <laughs> her eyes weren't focusing on mine. She was swaying. You didn't fall for her straight away like me. Time to go. Doesn't answer my question, Max. You just saw me swear to love and cherish her. Of course I do. Why? I'm prettier than her. She doesn't like your basketball games. And I heard Marlene say that she's got this weird thing on- Lola! I glanced over at the dance floor. Hats and high heels had been discarded on elegant chairs, leaving people swaying in suits and dresses. More than a few people were looking over. My boss was blatantly staring. Two, two of my aunts from Manchester were huddled together, talking secretly. Just get out. It's cold outside. I don't care. You weren't invited. You have no right to be here, no right at all. I pulled her chair back and gestured towards the door. She frowned at me, still swaying. You'll come back to me. She prodded her finger into the front of my suit. When she gets tired of your snoring and your chipped nail polish and all those stupid pasta bakes, you'll come back to me. She headed out unsteadily, still gripping an empty glass. I didn't realise I'd been holding my breath until the door slammed behind her. The seating plan for the wedding dinner fell down and slid under a pile of discarded coats. Max? I turned to see Harper standing uncertainly behind me. The flowers were beginning to fall out of her hair. There was a smudge of cake icing on the side of her mouth. I could tell the heels were starting to hurt her feet from the way she walked, tottering slightly. She had never looked more beautiful. Lola's gone. I should have called security. And be known as the couple who threw out an ex at their wedding? We never lived that down. Well, you gave everyone good cake. I should silence any rumours. I laced my fingers through hers. Fancy a dance? Without a jealous ex watching from the corner? She grinned like Lola never did and led me towards the music. Oh, oh that's quite cute, though. Yay. But why would you invite an ex into the wedding? Why would you invite yeah. your ex to a wedding unless you wanted them to ruin your wedding? I think or she crushed it. I think she, she crushed, crushed the wedding. Yeah, because he said, I didn't invite you. you. You have no right to be here. So Oh, sorry. She wasn't invited. Up. So she just turned oh, up sorry. to someone else's wedding got drunk and <laughs> just started crushing it. That's ruined someone's wedding. That's dramatic. I mean, I I am someone who really, really dislikes rom-coms, but if I was mm. going to write a rom-com, I feel like she would be the main character in that she's a really horrible person at the beginning. Mm. And then does mm. find love and is redeemed at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Lola. I feel very sorry for Max and Harper. She was fun to play, though, and I wonder whether it's the sort of thing where maybe the way that Max has been leaving it, 
maybe she does kind of have reason to think that there's still something between them. I mean, I think the fact that he's getting married suggests that there isn't something between them. But <laughs> that might just be my personal opinion. <laughs> no, no, I agree. <laughs> I mean, when has when has marriage has ever stopped rom coms? Really? <laughs> Aaron, can yeah, you write? Let's be real. C- can you write the baby shower? Where she just turns up again and is like, so are you sure you're not still in love with me, right? Um, just, just do, just do like the the world's most cynical recurring rom com where just nothing good ever happened. Their fifth, their fiftieth anniversary, and she just like hobbles up. <laughs> are you sure it's not me you're in love with? <laughs> you're coming back to me next. <laughs> Oh dear. Speaking of people not having a good time, Bella, what what did you write about this week? Yeah, my characters aren't having a particularly good time. I was very stuck for genre this week. I've been asking my housemates mostly to just give me a genre and then I'll write it. So we had Eldritch Horror, Grimdark. Uh, I looked up a genre. I looked into weird genres and i found a genre called bizarro which instantly stuck out to me because of the name i love the word bizarro i think or and wacko i love those two words they're great words and i looked into it and they've all got those sort of 80s styles style like cult titles and and front covers uh, so that instantly made me think, oh, I'll write something that's kind of set vaguely in the 80s. And Bizarro is, I think, kind of just very weird, very kind of gross, very... Or oh, just not very uncomfortable fiction. There were some very inappropriate names, so I did steer away from it slightly. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go quite as bizarre as some of those things were, because I think we were veering into the territory of body horror and and, and like some sexual things that I didn't want to delve deeper into. So I kind of just wrote another sort of dystopian horror, grimdark, weird thing because it's Halloween. It is Halloween. Why not? Yeah. You're the only one who remembered it's Halloween. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it was Halloween yesterday, technically, because we're, this podcast is coming out Mm. on, November the 1st. So that means mm. it is coming out the day after Halloween and on the day of my sister's birthday. <laughs> happy belated Halloween and happy birthday to my sister, who is 18. Mm. 18. And oh, I hate it when little siblings become 18. I am a little sibling, is he? It's rude, Erin. What you did was rude. Undo it. <laughs> Therefore, um, because she's 18, I've made my piece PG-18. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Bella, is this... So this is like the Marnie from the Eldritch Horror one, but not Yeah, so recurring that. characters. Do you want the same voice for Marnie? Uh, she's still a bit ditzy and a bit... Like, she still doesn't believe in what? shoes or, or mountains What was or the whatever. voice I used? Wait, we've got a Marnie mint voice. I wouldn't... Yeah, I know. They're oh, all, we have. Basically, I've got a set... I've got a set of six characters that I've created that I'm going to reuse in pieces and plop them into different universes. So in this universe, Marnie... In one universe, Marnie was an eldritch horror. In this universe, she no longer is. She's just a regular girl. But, like... 
she <laughs> she is still the subject of the horror of this piece. <laughs> uh, we've also got Mercury, who was in the last piece, and mm. they were in trapped in the still box uh, in this dystopian world. But I've got a new character, Junimo, and he is he is new to the to the gang. Um, new to the Bella cinematic universe. Hopefully, you'll enjoy Junimo's character as well. Uh, so are we are we ready to read? Absolutely. Go ahead. Nin kicked in the door of their hideout and slammed her steel-tipped boots into the floorboard so hard the clasps rattled. She was missing three fingers, but not her artful smirk. Blood dribbled from her hands onto the doormat. Damn it, Nin! Said Mercury and nothing else. They stood to find the first aid kit. Marnie wriggled in her green knee highs and laughed. Nin? She trilled. Giving out your digits again? Funny. Nin stuck one of the stumps in her mouth. Mercury came back with some dirty cloth and sellotape and began wrapping up the rest of them. You'll have none left if you're not careful. They told her. Seven'll do me. Junimo stepped out of the toilet, running a wet hand through his hair. The stench of dehydrated piss drifted through the shack. He whistled when Nin gave him a one-fingered salute. Christ, how'd you lose him? Swamp crawler in aisle three, she said shortly. Caught me by surprise. Junimo smiled through painted lips. But did you get them? Nin rolled her eyes and dug in her back pocket. She threw him a pack of Salem's. Bit soggy. Oh, wicked. He took one out with chipped teeth. Anyone got a light? Nin. Mercury said, closing their fists and gritting their teeth. Did you get what you really went out for? Would be dumb if I didn't. She lifted one of her butchered hands and glared, seeing as two of us need it now. She opened her jacket and pulled out a bottle of antiseptic. It was pink. Mercury snatched the medicine and stomped over to Marnie, sitting hard on her legs. Marnie wriggled again and immediately lifted her shirt, exposing her torso and her small, pale breasts. There, nearly in the middle of her chest, was a large, brown bog leech. It squirmed when exposed to the daylight, squealing a little like a dying pig, but then settled and continued to feed, making irregular sucking sounds. Mercury's nose wrinkled. Get her arms, Jean. They said, and he did, pinning them above her head with one long hand. Start a fire, please. Came the next request, and Nin started to bulk out the fireplace with old newspaper clippings. Marnie stared down at her parasite with large eyes. Would it hurt? She whispered, chewing on her lip. You're good, Marnie. Junimo shot her a lopsided smile, still chewing on the cold smoke between his teeth. We got you. No. She said, this time louder and shriller. Her sclera had started to go a sickly green. Will it hurt? Will it hurt me? Mercury leaned back, their hands shaking. They could taste the dank miasma of Marnie's breath. Nin looked at them over her shoulder and stood. Yank it out, she snapped, and when Mercury didn't move, slapped them on the shoulder. It's using her voice. Yank it out. Junimo gripped Marnie's wrist tighter as Mercury took the leech by the tail and pulled. Marnie began to scream, gnashing her teeth and crying streams of dirty water until nearly her whole face was dark and gritty. Nin kept eye contact with her the whole way, lips thin and expression stony. I'll kill you. Marnie wheezed and spat at Nin's feet. I know, said Nin, and the leech came free. Mercury swaddled it in a cloth and threw it into the fire. The flame swelled, sizzling like a hot grill, and then crackled low, pouring a nasty smoke into the room. Still shaking, 
They opened the antiseptic bottle with their teeth and began to pour it over the jagged wound in Marnie's chest. She had gone quiet, taking the time to lick her lips. Once. Twice. She glanced down at where the leech had been. I'm a black hole. She breathed, blinking. Junimo took off his jacket and tucked it around her shoulders. We all are. He told her, and then turned to light his cigarette in the dying fire. Damn. Uh, oh really my weird. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. Ah! Happy Halloween. Uh, there are swamp crawlers and bog leeches that can speak through your body if they they're in you for too long. Ah! <laughs> she just runs yeah. in. She was missing three fingers, but not her artful smirk. As if that's some, as if that negates it. What's the word? Negates yeah, it. I don't know. Care. It's yeah, she's just fine with it. She's like, oh, you know, I got the antiseptic. That's all right. Fingers grow back. I've still got, I've still got seven fingers. That'll do me. I love the fact that they say, like, does this happen regularly? Does men just go out and come back with like a missing foot? Like, oh, guys. <laughs> I feel like Nin is very scarred at this point. Because then Marnie is the first aid casualty. Like, surely the leech could just stay in her a little bit as they try and put Nin's fingers back on. Well, you'd think that, except Marnie goes from, like, playfully teasing Nin about giving out her digits, like, giving out her number, rather than, like, you know, her fingers. It was a little pun. Yeah, how um, proud were you of that joke? Because I, I just started I, laughing. I, I was not that proud, but, like, I just thought it was funny because it's kind of set in the 80s and it's like, ah, what's your digits? Anyway, um, I kind of... I... I thought she goes from like being really, really teasing to just instantly being taken over by the leech. So clearly, it was getting it was getting dire, but Marnie was just not paying attention. There are bits like that that I was but like, yeah. I want to laugh, but I'm also terrified <laughs> by the, the leeches and the fingers. And oh my goodness! Well, yeah, that's one of the themes of Bizarro is that it's supposed to be funny and like, um, what's the word, uh, satire, but mm. it's also really revolting like the entire time so i kind of played with that a little bit where there's a leech in her chest but she's just being a bit ditzy about it at first and just teasing nin and also um the other thing that i wanted to mess with the black hole thing so I was like, oh, the black hole could be, like, in the chest after the leech comes out. And she'll, like, Marnie is the type of person who will just look down and be like, oh, I'm a black hole now. And everyone else is like, okay, sure. <laughs> Makes sense. I love your Marnie voice, Erin. And I love your <laughs> Mercury you. voice. You're, you're going to play Mercury and Marnie from now on. Oh, heck yes. That also means I've got to remember those voices. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Izzy's Junimo. Junimo. Oh, I liked his character. He was, again, just very chill with the whole bodies being hurt thing. Yeah. Though I think, did he... Yeah, I think he is quite... Ner- I feel like he's quite attached to Marnie. Like, Marnie and him mm. are quite close. So he was a bit nervous about the whole situation, even if he was pretending not to be. Yeah, he seemed like he was trying to keep his cool... I'm I'm glad you enjoyed. I hope it was on on theme Halloweeny. Very much so. It was very Halloweeny. I loved it. Speaking of Halloween, go on, Erin. 
I was I was wondering if anyone else wanted to take the segue, but absolutely. Um, <laughs> speaking of Halloween, our question this week is a bit of a weird one, which is if you could do a Halloween episode or chapter or something of some kind of media that you enjoy, what would you do with it? My one would probably be Star Trek because you can do a lot with that. It would either be Star Trek or Magnus, but Magnus is already Halloween. Um, there is a, a Halloween Star Trek episode that's the original series that's got like black cats and then ghouls and vampires, but it's also the original series, which, while I love it, has to be taken with quite a few pinches of salt. Um, so I think I would really like to do a Halloween episode of Discovery, which is the new series, because... All the characters are highly sarcastic and very capable, but also just prone to disaster. So I feel like Discovery Crew plus Monster would go very strangely indeed. I Erin kind of gave me the prompt with this one. If I was to make a Halloween episode in She-Ra, what would I make it? And that is actually such a difficult <laughs> question because... I, I don't think there is a Halloween episode in She-Ra. The closest thing I would probably say is in it is there's this episode where they go to a haunted village, but in reality it's just like these holograms that are glitching out um, from an ancient civilization that are, like the ruins are there and they've just started glitching out and therefore all of the all of the residents have run away thinking it's haunted, but in reality they just need to sort of put those holograms at peace that is what that is properly scooby-doo yeah um and i i wouldn't say it's a halloween episode but it's it's pretty it's more comedy than spooky definitely (laughs) scooby-doo-esque if there was gonna be a halloween episode um though definitely would like to see the halloween episode in the horde more than anything because they're the bad guys and you when you're watching Shira, you see the horde more as much as you see you, you get the bad guys perspective as much as you get the good guys perspective which is one of the reasons i love the show because you're attached to the villains and the heroes um and yeah i'd, I'd want to see halloween in the fright zone just things getting a bit spoopy in there um, <laughs> they're most they're mostly spoopy anyway but getting more spoopy i guess Izzy, how about you? I still can't think of a good answer to this question because the, all of the TV shows that I watch are always really sort of all the oldie comedy ones. And so I've oh, no yeah, idea yeah. what to do with them because it's already been done. Like um, Only Fools and Horses, Friends, Yes Minister. Those are the ones that I kind of watch. Mm. Fresh Prince of Bella, I love that show. So I don't know what I... I don't want to do something more fresh. I don't know. I just keep thinking about... When I think about... TV specials. I just can't stop thinking about Phineas and Ferb <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a child, but also because that's I'm taking advanced screenwriting, and we're learning the formula with Erin, and we're learning the formula of um, how we should make a TV show. And Phineas and Ferb is so formulaic, so when it comes to making specials like Halloween and things. It's just quite easy. They can just have Phineas and Ferb invents a pumpkin, a giant pumpkin farm, <laughs> and boom, you're done. You've got a special. So, have what I... about a catfish Halloween special? How would you work that one? What's a catfish oh. Halloween? 
Catfish. I would, so Catfish is the TV show that Bella introduced me to, where oh, right. you have people, uh, uh, someone would be in a relationship with someone else online, but this other person's been acting a little bit fishy, like they won't, they've never, they won't agree sus. to meet up. A little bit sus. And so they finally meet up, and you get to work out whether that person is actually who they say they are, or whether they're a catfish, you know, using a fake identity. So Halloween, Catfish Halloween is just the catfish is a murderer, right? <laughs> I feel like you couldn't plan that. You couldn't plan that as a special, though, as it's a reality TV show. So, though, to be fair, there was a catfish uh, special where they culminated um, some stories that they'd either heard mm. about from people who didn't want to be on the show or, like, they couldn't air that were about, like, quite scary people, which... Like, for that, like one of the scariest ones was, like, the catfish was, like, her roommate. But yeah. her roommate was just getting very jealous about um, her boyfriend or something and then created a, like, this really freaky online persona to, like, scare her. But it was just her roommate the whole time. Well, yeah, that, that is creepy. Of, yeah, it was creepy. That is, that is real-life creepy as opposed to horror movie bleach in chest creepy yeah have you guys listened to eos 10 no it's a very good podcast series um that's about a space station it's absolutely hilarious i would really recommend it um but they like having little holiday specials um but they have this ongoing joke that every holiday special has to involve some kind of plant so for the for the Christmas one, it was like a tree that just took over the entire station. For Halloween, it was some kind of flower that made everyone fall in love. And then for Halloween, I guess they just they just decided to break that. So they just had like, oh, this character's a zombie. This character's dead. This character did this weird thing. And that's your episode, kids. Um, it was a very... Because it's not part of the actual series it's like non non canonical it's just there and you must accept it that sounds cool i always find specials sometimes though sometimes they're a little bit awkward aren't they because it's like someone's taken their their cool show and they've just forced in the theme of halloween even though maybe the characters might not even celebrate halloween that much suddenly they've got this huge halloween party where every single person they've ever met comes and joins them, and there are all of these dramatic characters together. I find the same. With I quite Christmas like specials. the idea. I quite like the idea of non-canonical Halloween specials, mm. though. Like, I think they could be quite fun. Like an almost AU, like mm. an alternate universe where everything is different. Like in Umbrella Academy, the day that never happened, that one where it's loads of things happen in that episode that because of timey-wimey stuff <laughs> then doesn't actually happen in, like, canon. Yeah. But it's happened. It did happen. It just didn't happen, you know? Or like in Phineas and Ferb, where <laughs> they go back in time. And it's what would Phineas and Ferb be like if they were Frankenstein or around the Frankenstein era. <laughs> I, That's terrifying. If, when Disney Plus came out, you you know, you get you watch all of the greats and the Disney classics and then you just have to find other stuff. So Phineas and Ferb is what I found. 
Um, Star Trek have also done that trope where like stuff doesn't happen, but they like to use it to just ruin the audience. So they'll have things like, oh, look, we'll show you an episode where it turns out these two characters who will never get together um, could actually get married and have a kid who they love very much and have a really beautiful future. But then because of time, that's never going to happen. And all of that gets reversed. Or they'll have an episode where they'll just show you every single character dying and then reverse all of it. Um, has anyone seen the anime Orange? No. no. Um, basically, this group of adults who lose their friend at quite a young age decide to write letters to their past selves, um, giving instructions on what to do and what not to do to save his life. Um, except, like, the main character... And the main character as an adult, like, is married to and has kids with, like, another character that's involved. But in the past, like, her and the friend that passes away are, like, are gonna be a thing. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, well, what happens if she doesn't, like, if she sends the letters back and changes the past, then does that change the future or does it create a different timeline? Which, it was a very cool, it was a cool anime. Time travel in general is very fun to play with in writing. I don't think I've ever used time to, time travel in a story. I need to work out how to do that. Maybe I'll do that next week. I get a bit confused. I sort of sit there and I'm like, wait, if this happens, <laughs> then this wouldn't happen. And then the butterfly effect and then... And then I'll just get a bit lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's three different theory. theories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are the three Mm -hmm. theories? Um, Off the top of my head, there's the theory that a new timeline is created whenever you make a change. There's a theory that whatever you do affects the entire timeline. And there's one more which I cannot remember. I should know this. I'm a sci-fi fan. Oh, is there the one where um, whatever you do has already canonically been done it in your past anyway so you can't change anything because everything's leading up to i think so like that kind of idea of like oh no no matter what you do it it it's gonna happen like in yeah like almost like this time Mm. almost like this timeline timeline has omniscience and it's technically already happened and you didn't know that you going back in time actually caused this thing that has already happened anyway so it doesn't actually change anything Mm. it's like a paradox I like how Doctor Who does it, because it can just fly around to different points in time, and every single time they properly raise the stakes, because their, their one is, these actions have consequences. If we don't save the world now, then the world will be dead. This has been a very spooky episode. I very much <laughs> enjoyed this spooky episode. There's been romance, which is extra spooky. <laughs> There's been horror, which is slightly less spooky than romance, in my opinion. um and and we talked about halloween episodes and i got to talk about she-ra which is always a bonus you can talk about she-ra whenever you like bella i love she-ra she-ra's great i recommend she-ra to everyone i would say no pressure but there is so much pressure for me right now to watch she-ra you better do it bella is it on netflix yes may i suggest a movie night yes (laughs) Oh my god, Erin, I want to watch She-Ra on Netflix party with you so bad. And Izzy, you better get involved. I've been bugging you about this for ages. Fine, I'll watch She-Ra. 
Can we the, just the like next... all watch it together on Netflix party? The, the next prompted yeah. episode is just our reactions to She-Ra. That's, it. That's the <laughs> whole mean, episode. It's, it's five seasons, so it might take us slightly more than a week. To That's watch very it. fair. Only <laughs> You could binge it all in one day. I did watch an entire Supernatural season in two days once, and it was it was Ooh. glorious. For reference, think... that's 24 episodes times 45 minutes. I mean, I think because all the episodes are like 20 minutes or like 22 minutes long. Hmm. So, uh, right, there are 19 hours of She-Ra, so technically... <laughs> We could watch it in a day. We I don't recommend it, though. We wouldn't be very healthy, but it is technically possible. Yeah. I don't recommend it. I feel like we should do a season at a time, if <laughs> that, you know? Prompted does not inverse binge-watching to an unhealthy no. level. Though I would definitely be down for a She-Ra marathon, to be honest. <laughs> okay. On that note about She-Ra... Please watch She-Ra. We'll, we'll wrap up the episode. Thank you so much to all of our writers on today's show, and thank you so much to all of you for listening. To support us, subscribe to our Patreon, which is at www.patreon.com slash promptedwritingpodcast. On there, we do bonus content and shout-outs and many more things. And our YouTube, which is Prompted Writing Podcast, is also a good thing to check out. Be sure to leave us a review telling us what you think. For more prompts and writing, find us on Instagram at Prompted Writing Podcast. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>